Hello, listeners, and welcome to Baby Brain, PPSM's podcast. I'm Samantha Hugula, your host, and with me tonight are Alexis Antilla and Amy Madsen. Alexis is an LMFT and owner of One Great Life Counseling, and Amy Madsen is an LFT as well. Welcome, ladies. And our topic today is mothering motherless. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. To start out, could you guys each describe kind of your connection to perinatal mental health and wellness and what that journey has been for you? I'm Amy, and I enjoy working with families and supporting them throughout the lifespan, especially helping moms find a way to parent that feels authentic to them, whether they're affected by family of origin issues, grief and loss, or um, difficult transitions. This is Alexis. Uh, My niche kind of found me. I went through my own experience of postpartum depression with my oldest, and I realized throughout that that there is a great need for more support for families and especially mothers. So I sought additional training, and it was at the Beyond the Blues conference that I got connected with PPSM, Postpartum Support Minnesota, and have since come to specialize in treating this and and like Amy said, really um, enjoy helping mothers and fathers and families parent and care for themselves and grow in this journey because it is so hard. Amy, is there anything that you'd like to add about your connection with PPSM? For a long time, I facilitated a group called Emotional Coping Skills, and it was a group designed to support moms with mental illness who are navigating parenting. My own life has been affected in some ways, and I've been really drawn to helping moms through this transition because I think it is so important. If you think about, you know, the thing at the zoo where you can put the pennies down and they can either go straight down the funnel, they have them at other places too, or you can shift the trajectory just a little bit and it makes the penny spin a lot longer. And I think that supporting parents, finding a healthy way to parent helps really shift the trajectory for generations. So I, I think that is a really tremendous gift to be able to give to people and, and to be able to be with them in that part of the experience of life. Describe this concept of mothering motherless. When I think about mothering motherless, it simply means mothering without the support of one's mother. And so this can be mothering without one's mother because one's mother has been, has passed away. It can be due to death or it can be due to illness, or it could be due to unavailability of one's mother. In that case, what I call it is ambiguous loss where your mother still may be on earth and present, but is unable to support you in your journey as a mother. So you may find yourself, regardless of whether it's due to loss or to ambiguous loss, you may find yourself comparing to people whose mothers are supportive and in their lives. Amy, I would love to add a bit more to your comment about the ambiguous loss surrounding a mother who might still be alive, but unable to be present in your life for some reason. This kind of work is really near and dear to my heart. I have found that mothering without a mother who is still living, but cannot be reached, can be very painful. 
not having a mother present is, is a huge loss, no matter the circumstance. And there is something deeply painful about knowing there is a woman out there who you need. You know, we all need to be mothered. It doesn't matter if you're in your 40s or your 50s. You, we all need our moms. And when you are becoming a mother, lacking that guidance from that person, there is deep sadness there. And you should not go through that alone. You don't need to go through that alone. It's not your fault. There should be no shame around that. And you deserve to be lifted up and, and handled with a lot of love because while your baby is growing and discovering their toes and their hands, you are also growing and discovering your feet as a mother. And you deserve a lot of support, even if your mom can't be reached during that time. That is the bravest kind of mothering to be willing to show up and to be birthed as a mom when you didn't have the mom that you deserved or needed is it's so inspirational to me. So how does mothering motherless impact parenting? So research shows that social support is key in well-being, especially in mental health. It is it is protective and it is supportive. Historically, a person's mother would come and partake in supporting a family as it's growing by adding additional children. So in the event that the mother can't be present, just like Amy described the, the different ways a mother can't be available, this role needs to be filled by others. And in this really vulnerable time when parents are dealing with exhaustion and getting to know this new baby and their new roles, they're very vulnerable. It places a lot of responsibility on these people in a vulnerable place to fill this hole where a mother would typically step in and offer a lot of guidance and support and help and education. There was just an article in the New York Times about um, how humans and maybe whales are some of the only animals that have this generational mothering happening. I found, found that really interesting. One thing that I wanted to add, Alexis, is that I see in my clients experiencing mothering without a mother, that sometimes they have a hard time listening to their own internal compass. And so sometimes I find them, they might find themselves preparing for the worst when there's no likelihood of a negative event or having difficulty implementing routines or discipline, or they may sometimes find themselves emotional and not know why and have a difficult difficulty pinpointing why they're finding themselves maybe out of character, emotional, or reacting in something in such a way that is out of character. Well, how do you guys think this impacts relationships, both parenting and with a partner? A couple of ways that I see it impacting relationships is that there can be comparison. That's one of those ways that I see my clients sidetracked from their own values and authentic ways of parenting because comparison comes in more strongly sometimes. It also may impact the vision of what the future of the family could hold. And so that can be something that is important to talk about with one's partner. Sometimes I find the partner of the person who is mothering motherless may not know what to say or may have a hard time because they can't relate personally, but it's not necessary to be able to relate personally. 
validation is so important. So um, support people really can offer a lot, even if the experience is not something that they have directly experienced. The other thing that I notice is that children may have questions, um, but they may not until they're older because they're in their family. It's normal. So where a motherless mother may feel a, a loss that's very significant, the rest of the family may not feel that. That may be normal. And so there's this these two different perspectives that can be so different happening at the same time. You mean kids wondering why the grandparent on one side of the family is in the picture and the other one is not? I mean, kids accepting it as normal that, oh, my family has three grandparents. That was my family growing up. And actually, I had less questions about my grandmother than my kids have about their great-grandmother. It's very interesting. The parent who is feeling the loss may feel that more significantly. And so that's the juxtaposition. How do you see people coping? What are some of the things that they put into place to overcome? There are a variety of strategies that families can implement or use to cope with the lack of a a mother figure. Of course, I'm going to endorse therapy. (laughs) Therapy can be very helpful. Support groups can also be really helpful. You know, during the pandemic, there's a lot of online support groups, which are really great for families with a new baby who aren't necessarily going to want to put a baby in a car or go get them exposed to germs. I see people coping too by implementing rituals or celebrations or adding pictures if they want to remember that person. If it's a complicated relationship, just acknowledging that and recognizing which parts of the legacy of the family do you want to pass on and which parts do you not? And so I see people successfully coping when they find ways to parent with joy. Some people find this through becoming inspired by parent parental figures that they see books can be helpful. Some people find it inspiring to recognize there is no right way to parent. And so if you can find that freedom to do, to parent and mother authentically, keeping the parts that you value that fit with you and your family and letting go of other parts that don't fit, that's when I see people handling it, it well. So that's a nice segue into my next question, which is what does therapy look like for somebody who is mothering motherless? What kind of, what would they expect coming into therapy to be some of the skills they would gain? The first thing that I do is I help clients recognize what are their values? What is their compass so that they're mothering out of their own authentic beliefs rather than in reaction to a loss or to um, a difficult situation. And then if my clients have a mother still in their lives that is not supportive, we may talk about boundaries, whether they're I call them external boundaries, such as time. And I think with grief and loss too, times where it's appropriate to settle into the grief and the loss and times where you can learn some skills to 
set it aside until it's a better time to address it. Because we know that grief, grief, true grief and grief from ambiguous loss and from true loss, both, they sort of wax and wane. There was this old idea that grief would be something we'd move through and we'd be done with. And now we realize that's not true. And so every time that we, especially every time we face a transition, we recognize that grief and loss may show up there. And so therapy can really help address that grief and loss so that it's not unchecked. So that if there are beautiful parts about your mom, you're able to celebrate and honor and recognize those in a way that you can pass down that memory. Um, if there are mixed feelings, they can be sorted through so that family traditions that want to be remembered are. Also, I do see when parents have kids that remind them of the lost parent, that can be challenging. And it's no one's fault. It's just very hard. And so therapy can be a way to examine ways that that's happening for the parent and ways that might impact their parenting of that child versus other children if they have more than one. I would add to that. I like, Amy, how you name the the need to process grief and loss. In my work with clients, I see a lot of clients be surprised by the grief and, and you describe it as waxing and waning. I use a metaphor of an ocean, right? I turn around and I'm with my kids and things are fine. And then all of a sudden this wave comes up and knocks me down and I'm just trying to grapple with all this grief. Where did this come from? How did this happen again? And, and offering, you know, this is very normal. This is really common. There, there's nothing wrong with you. This is part of the process of, of grieving, especially when you don't have a mother present for this process. There is, there is a lot of grief and loss in that. And just normalizing that can be really, really therapeutic and really helpful. Yeah. And sometimes we therapists can help our clients learn new ways to process their grief or be with it. So different therapists have different trainings and different skills that they can lend to clients who may benefit from a specific way to address the grief that they haven't thought about before. Absolutely. So the concept of mothering motherless has to do with not only where that person is in the physical and emotional support, but also how the family unit answers to it. And from what you guys are explaining, it sounds like working through really that grief process is the foundation. What kind of words would you have for somebody who might be in that spot, newly recognizing that this is an ambiguous loss or maybe recently dealt with a loss? I would really encourage a lot of gentleness. I think in our culture, we can be really hard on parents, especially on mothers. There are such high standards for mothers to have it all together and to look really pretty doing it and to, to be joyful all the time. And that is so unrealistic. Becoming a mother was one of the most difficult journeys I've ever gone through. It's the, the most beautiful journey I've ever gone through, but there, there will be difficult times and that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. So I would just really ask for gentleness and self-compassion and, and lots of kindness because it's a, the days can be long but the years are short and you will get through this because you are stronger than you have ever known. I love that, Alexis. I also said self-compassion was my number one. The other thing that I would add is that grief can look so different 
for every person. Family members and people around you may have certain expectations of what your grief looks like. In addition to the expectations you might have, it can show up in a lot of different ways. And the way that you need to process it and your timeline can be different than you might expect or than, pe than people in your life might expect from you. And that's okay. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, Amy. I know sometimes partners or support people can be surprised when the grief pops up. You know, the wave comes in and you yes. get knocked down. It could be, it right. could be something big like a birthday or it could be something really small. And, and to just express the need for kindness from support people too. Yes. And sometimes if it's possible, it can be helpful to, it's okay to coach support people on what you need. And so I want to give you permission to do that because a lot of times support people are trying their best to support, but they don't know how to do it. And they're worried that they're going to get it wrong. And then the person struggling doesn't know how to, doesn't feel the permission to tell them what they need. And it's also coaching can be, I don't know what I need, but can you just watch TV with me? Or can we just have a cup of tea? That's okay. So even as you're coaching, you don't have to know the answers, but if something really works for you, that is a great time to say, thanks. That was really, that was really helpful. And I'm glad you didn't try to fix it, or I'm glad that you stayed with me, even though I know it was hard. How would you suggest people got connected to either support groups or therapy if they're sitting here now listening and wondering if they should reach out? If they're local, I would recommend reaching out to PPSM, you know, Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. They have a lovely network. They have a warm line that you can call or text and someone will get back to you within 24 hours. Of course, it's not an emergency line, so don't use it for emergencies, but they do a really lovely job of supporting um, families and finding good support in a reasonable amount of time. Help is there for people in crisis and for people who have minor struggles. So reach out. There's a lot of therapists and fit matters. So make sure that you find a therapist that feels like they're a good match for you. Thank you ladies for joining me today. For more information about Alexis and Amy, see the description of the podcast below.